0: All right, go ye kids, and the rest of us, if you need an outline, wave your hand there, and Brother Brett will get you one. Back to Matthew chapter 6, and uh, going to continue tonight with Blessed are the pure in heart, and uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 16, the item of fasting has come up again, and we dealt with that last week. And uh, the idea of, of fasting is is something that if God answers and if it is done out of a pure heart, it will aid that pureness of heart. It will uh, Fasting is one of those things that comes from a desire to have a pure heart, and it will help you keep, and it will help your heart become more, more pure. And then we start in verse 19, and dealing with treasure. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth and Nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so as we're going through here using the Beatitudes as the outline of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're finding that Jesus is taking each one of these states of blessedness and explaining them, helping us to see what having a pure heart is about. Why do certain people all over the world, they wake up every morning and the first thing they want is their stock report. What happened on Wall Street? Uh, clear around the world while they were sleeping. Because that's where the treasure is. That's why in nineteen twenty October of 1929, people were throwing themselves out of windows and and killing themselves in the streets of New York because their God, their treasure, had just died and they figured that life was hopeless without their treasure. By the way, you wonder why every missionary we have that comes in when they speak about their mission field. I mean, you can... Uh, how many of you were watching Brother De Cavallo uh, just a couple weeks ago when he was here and he was talking about this church? I mean, he just he just kind of lit up as he was talking about the people there in that church. Why? Because that's where his treasure is and that's where his heart is. And and uh, there there is so much truth here. If all I need to know. If I know where you keep your treasure, if I know what your treasure is, I know an awful lot about your heart. There's a connection there. And it tells us, blessed are the pure in heart, in chapter 5 and uh, uh, verse 8, for they shall see God. So we learned about fasting, and next Jesus takes another aspect of our heart of what we are about, and it says, "Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth." Now, in modern days we we do not have the problem with moths uh, that we once did, but uh, And uh, that is primarily because of polyester. Moths do not live off of polyester. But if you have wool, uh, the moth used to fly in your house at night with your windows open. And you would get your winter coat out or your nice suit and it would be full of holes. Because the moth had planted its eggs in your suit or in your dress, uh, in your coat. And those larvae would live off of the wool, and eat holes in, in your clothes. And that's what mothballs are all about. And um, I remember one time Peter opened the book many years ago, and there was some little bugaboo crawling in the uh, silverfish or something, and uh, and. Uh, I was just in an honorary mood. He said, what kind of book is that? I said, it's one that eats paper. Oh, my books, my books. And he went out and bought him boxes. We still have boxes of mothballs down in the basement. Because uh, he's going to protect his books. And uh, I'll tell you, its you can only protect physical things so much. Rust and gets in, and silver tarnishes, and so many things, they lose their value over the years. Uh, Brother Nielsen gave me a box of tools. Uh, I think the box dates back to the 1850s, maybe even a little before that, Uh, uh, and most of those tools are from well before the turn of the last century, in the 1800s, woodworking tools and hand tools to, to make moldings and all kinds of... And they're worthless. Absolutely worthless. Unless you want to hang them on your wall. Uh, because what you do is you go down to the store and you buy some routers or you buy the, the molding pre-cut and you just nail it up. I don't have six weeks to shape molding out of solid wood it it just uh, we live in a different time period at at one time those those tools were worth a fortune but today they're absolutely worthless how many of you have old computers sitting around the house there and by the way does a computer have to be old to be old I mean, stop and think about it. So, iPhones. Oh, there's a message from Brother D'Angelo. It says, I know she has a sister, Lisa. I shouldn't have pulled that out. I have no idea what that's about. But anyway, trying to figure out who this Helen Mailer is. So... Um, Ten years ago, well, actually, 12 years ago, there were none of these things. You, If you were really up ten years ago, you had a flip phone. That was the essence. I mean, it was almost like uh, uh, what are those Star Trek guys, you know, your communicator. You'd flip up the phone and you, you were, you know, and if you didn't have enough money to have a flip phone, what were you? And I remember when I was in Bible college, this is many years ago, the first cell phones were in a briefcase. How many remember the briefcase cell phones? And there were, I actually knew people who would take their electric razor and hold it up, pretend it was a phone, get one of those fake antennas. And it looked like they were very important as they drove down the road talking into their electric razor. Uh, How silly things are. Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. There is nothing you can have on earth that somebody cannot take away from you. And if you have a lot of possessions, if you do not extend a great deal of energy to keep them, someone will take them from you. Even if the only thing you have is credit, there are are identity thieves that are out there just waiting to steal uh, your, your credit card. And the Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do you do that? Win somebody to the Lord. Help somebody be faithful in church. Give the missionary what he or she needs to get their work done. Those are treasures in heaven. Uh, I remember someone saying, Boy, you're, you're really for Heartland Baptist Bible College, aren't you? I said, absolutely. My eighth child is heading there this fall. Talk about investing treasure. And... Uh, we our church gives to Heartland, gives gives uh, a lot of money to Heartland, but really, if you stop and count up all the students that we send, forty percent of their tuition is paid for by monthly support and the missions offering. We're we're probably not even broke even yet, and uh, so we want to be able to give, but. The Bible says, if your treasures are here on earth, that's where your heart's going to be. If you want a pure heart, you've got to make sure that your treasure is in heaven. That your treasure is entrusted in the hands of the Savior. And then we move on to another very interesting little connection here. But again, we're talking about pureness of heart. And it says, the light of the body is the eye, verse 22. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. The the eye is the light of the body. Uh, The eye lets light in, that light touches your optic nerve. If you've ever studied that in biology and everything, uh, your mind does incredible things to what your eyes perceive. Eyes can only perceive so much. Every one of us has a hole in, in the amount of information that we can take in. But when, you, when I look out over this auditorium, there ought to be a hole about that big around right here. You know why? Because the eyes don't see it. But you know what your brain does? Is it fills everything in so that it looks like a real picture. Isn't that an amazing thing? And really, when the pictures come into your eyes, they come in upside down, and your brain turns it right side up. And all all of those wonderful things happen just so you can see. Now, I am wearing fairly strong contact lenses. And when I need to read, I put on adapters that change the way the light goes into my eyes so that I can read. Now, if I hold my Bible right here, everything is perfect. If I bring it up here, I can't read a thing. Uh, these glasses only work at certain distances. And um, yet, when we talk about seeing, seeing the truth is in this Bible. You know, there are people out there that think this book is evil, aren't there? And they say, well, the problem is Religion. Well, you need to put an adjective in there. The problem of this world is false religion. There's absolutely no question about that. Jesus' sharpest rebuke was not for the publicans and the sinners, it was for the religious people. Why? Because they couldn't see it. How many remember John chapter nine when Jesus healed the blind man and the Pharisees were walking with him and and It says, and they asked him, as they were discussing, he said, are we blind also? And he said, absolutely. If you thought you could, if you would say that you're blind, I would tell you that you can see. But because you think you see and understand, you're blind. You know, you cannot convince someone of something they refuse to believe. It doesn't matter if it's right there in front of them. Um, I don't pretend to be able to explain everything, but there in Texas, uh, there's a place where there are human footprints. Absolutely human in every aspect except one. In modern shoe sizes, I think it would be somewhere around the size 80. Uh, I wear... Uh, ten and a half or elevens so i mean the footprints about this big it is a perfectly human footprint and even the digits that are preserved in the toes tell us that this was not an eight man or somewhere but a perfectly modern foot is just that long i'd hate to meet the guy attached to it how about you and the thing that makes this footprint so absolutely mysterious is it's inside the footprints of a dinosaur. Not one of those little ones. I mean, big things. Like, And they didn't even have to have a movie camera and special effects like Jurassic Park to make it happen. Uh, the, this man, this large man, was tracking an even larger dinosaur. And they took an evolutionist down there and they showed him this. Some people who were trying to convince him uh, uh, of creation and the things that are in the Bible. And he took one look at it and he says, I don't believe it. And turned around and walked away. You see, if you have the light of Jesus Christ in your heart, What's he going to do? Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. It's not a pleasant thing to be convicted by the Holy Spirit of God of our sin. And by the way, I don't care how long you walk with God and how close you think you are to God, there's still a lot of issues in your life that need to be solved. Could we say amen to that? But if your eye is evil, the Bible says you're full of darkness. The only problem is you think the darkness that is running your life is light. And that's what makes it so great. And so, uh, there, there, to have a pure heart in him was life. And that life was what? The light of men. That's John chapter 1. And so, as we're dealing with the pureness of heart, we're talking about fasting and worshiping God in fasting and prayers. Treasure. Where is your treasure? Light. What is giving you light? What do you see? And then we get to verse 24 and it says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, when we talk about pureness of heart, one of the things that makes a heart pure, the word pure means without any additives. The the actual technical or chemical term is unadulterated. By the way, it's a connection to the word adultery. Adultery is impure or adding to your marriage things and people that don't belong. And an unadulterated substance is something that has no additives. How many of you have ever seen a table of the elements, the periodic table of the elements? You remember those things from school? Now, what makes an element different than other things is an element is pure. It has nothing else added to it. Everything that we know today can be broken down into elements. But you can't break the elements down. Even though uranium has uh, 238 electrons or whatever that is, that's... Not the isotope that they make bombs with, that's 235, but 238 is a solid uranium. Every part of that uranium atom, even though it's huge, is uranium. And the thing that makes it so interesting, just to give you an idea, if you go up to West Point, the military museum, they have a casing... Uh, of the first atomic bomb up there in the museum that you can look at. Don't worry about it. There's nothing in it. It was just a case. But I'll tell you, that case only stands about this tall, and it's about that big around. And inside that case was one of the first atomic bombs. Not that one in particular, but one just like it. And it was so heavy Remember, it's only this tall and this bigger. It was so heavy that a B-29 almost didn't clear the runway with the bomb in it. It gives you a little idea about uranium. It's very, very heavy. And God made all of these elements and all of these things. But if it's going to be pure, you can't add anything to it. How many of you have seen pure sulfur? Just a little yellow powder in your test tubes at school, and the professor always makes you burn some. Teacher, so you can smell how bad sulfur smells when it burns. Anybody remember that? Uh, From high school chemistry class. But... All you have to do is add a little water. Johnny was a chemist. Johnny is no more for what he thought was H2O was H2SO4. That's sulfuric acid. Just a little bit of combination of a few things changes everything, does it not? How much... Do you need to add to your soul to be unuseful for the Lord Jesus Christ? Blessed are the pure in heart. You can't serve two masters. You cannot divide your heart. And and the next question that comes up is, well, how how, are I supposed to provide for my household? I mean, Paul... Uh, says if you don't provide for your own, especially if your own household talking actually about your extended family, uh, you're worse than an infidel and you've denied the faith and well wait a minute. God knows everything we need. Amen. But you have to make a choice what's going to be the driving force of your life. Are you going to choose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ first and let him take care of things? Or are you going to try to take care of things and then serve the Lord with what's left over? I graduated high school with a young man. We were both young in those days. And he said, listen, I'm not like you. I'm not going to Bible college. I've got to make my first million and then I'll serve God. Well, I don't know if he's ever made his first million or not, but I know one thing. A little bit of contact I've tried to have, or other people have tried to have with this uh, uh, classmate, has all been rebuffed. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the old Carroll Christian Academy group. You know why? Because he's still out there trying to get that money. And so we're looking at fasting we're looking at treasures we're looking at light we're looking at your loyalty and your service and then we go start in verse 25 and we're going to run right through the end of the chapter here and we're going to talk about the cares of this life you cannot serve god and mammon or the world system uh, uh you know people try to come up uh, how how do you how how do you swim with the sharks well, there's only one way. Actually, you need two items. If you want to swim with the sharks and not be eaten, there's two things you got to do. First, you've got to be a shark. And second, you better not bleed. Uh, as long as you keep those two things in line, you can swim with the sharks and do very well. Uh, but uh, last I checked, God wants us to be lambs, not sharks. And if you threw a lamb in the shark tank, uh, anyway, enough said, right? And they call it the rat race. We're, We're not rats. We're not just scampering about trying to get everything that we can sink our teeth in. We're supposed to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's start reading what he says here. In verse 25, therefore, because of this, if you make, if you want a pure heart, you choose to serve God. You choose to lay up your treasure in heaven. You choose uh, to fast and look and understand things by the light of God's Word. Therefore, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's just look at the question that's asked, actually. Is not life more than just what you eat or drink? I know that the clothes manufacturers would like you to believe that the clothes make the man. But I will tell you this. You can put certain men in certain clothes and you could tell that they don't belong there. I mean, if you took a a bum off the street, I don't care what he used to be, unless you clean him up and shave him down and scrub him up and disinfect and all of those things, you can... Only the undertaker gets it done, doesn't he? Oh, he looks so natural. But Joe never wore a suit in his entire life. Uh, and, And that happens often at funeral homes. They can get the job done, but if you're a living person... Listen, your life is more than things you can hold in your hands. Would we agree with that? And if you're going to have a pure heart, you're going to have to deal with these things in and at the direction that the Lord gives us in this sermon here. And the first illustration He gives us are the birds. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now, I hope we don't have anyone here that loves pigeons. Uh, I I am not a pigeon fan. One of the few things I agree with our former mayor on, pigeons are rats with wings. Uh, I, I just... But where are pigeons going to eat in New York City? It says here that your father feedeth them. And there are so many people that run around and break the law and feed those pigeons. And every time I see somebody doing that, I'm thinking... Somebody had to read this verse, and, and they got a broken heart for the pigeons. But most birds do very well, no matter where they live. If they weren't living there, there wouldn't be anything to eat. Because they're there, there's, there's food. And they get provided for. They don't plant. They don't make any preparation And Jesus is just simply asking the question, if God cares about the birds are you accusing God of caring more about the birds than about man that he created in his own image? Sometimes we need to really look at this thing backwards. We think that God doesn't care for us or God's not taking care of us the way we should but I want you to Stop and understand something. Jesus asked the question, Are ye not much better than they? If God cares about the birds, are you going to accuse God of not taking care of you? See, a pure heart is a heart that trusts in God. First, let's keep going. It says, Which of you... By taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature. Now, how many of you know what a cubit actually is? A cubit is the distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger. Most, most people, average cubit is about 18 inches. Now, if you fold up newspaper and stick them in the soles of your shoes, you can get two or three inches that way. If you put on high heels... Uh, anyway, you're going to walk funny, uh, and, and I've seen men walking around in platform shoes. You know, they got soles this thick because they're very conscious about that height thing. And I've even read stories they, you can get titanium implants. They go and they actually cut your shin bone in half and glue this thing in, and you can. Gradually stretch your skin and you can make that thing expand micro inches at a time until you, some guy had gained eight inches by having these implants. It just makes me shiver to think about it. And uh, you know what? You cannot change who you are by thinking about it. God... Your height was determined at the moment of conception. It's an amazing thing. You can't change. Now, I know you can go down to the beauty salon. You can change your hair color. But that doesn't last very long, now does it, ladies? You, you can pretend all you want. But listen. Don't allow... Your physical appearance to drive your life you really can't change that much about yourself only an illusion that's what plastic surgery is isn't it I think of all those weightlifter guys oh big muscles how many of you know what happens to those guys when they get my age And they can't go to the gym anymore, and they can't do all that exercise. Boy, I'll tell you what, that is so terrifying. I determined that I was never going to start in the first place. Uh, uh, it's, It's just unbelievable here, but you can spend your whole life trying. Look in verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? You know, there's all kinds of wonderful things. I I love honeysuckle. And you know what? It's everywhere in the story. People grow it. And I always stop and smell it. Can I ask you, can you think of something more beautiful than just a simple rose bush, honeysuckle, lilacs? We were out bike riding on uh, Ward's Island the other night and my daughter Esther was wandering through the weeds and found some of the most beautiful wildflowers growing out of a pile of dirt. How does that happen? Oh, God does that. Wildflowers are absolutely gorgeous, are they not? And yet, Today they are, and tomorrow the bulldozer rolls over top of them. Uh, in this day and time, earth would be dug up and bricks would be made out of. That's what it means by casting into the furnace. Now let's get down to verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be closed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things are the pure in heart to live exactly the same way as the godless world lives. And yet, so many Christians try to live both sides of the fence. If your heart is going to be pure, here's the answer. How many of you know the verse? Have it memorized. 633. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those are two things. And I'd like to just remind us tonight as we finish out this section, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the area where the king is in control. When I seek first the kingdom of God, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to make sure I am in the dominion of King Jesus. That I am under the area of His protection. That I am within in the area that He rules. What does that mean? I obey Him. My allegiance is pledged to Him. And His righteousness. You know... You can answer so many questions of this life just by trying to do these two things. Is this going to promote His kingdom? Well, I'll tell you what, if you have the choice between earning $10 an hour and earning $100 an hour, our church could use the tithe, amen? As long as the $100 an hour job isn't a bartender. Because that's not seeking His righteousness. Or, or do I need to explain it any more than that? I think we're all together. It's not complicated, is it? You can make a choice what you're going to do with your life. But if you'll seek God and His kingdom, His righteousness, if you'll seek that first, it says, all these things shall be added unto you. You know, I stop, and every time I read this verse, I, I, I think of what God did to put us in this building. We raised $600,000 in less than seven years. And if we'll add the other year before that, make it, uh, make it eight years, we, we raised over 800000 $800,000 to buy this building and to pay off the loan and to do all that. I'll tell you what, that's not very that's that's not a bad income, is it? How many of you wish you could make eight hundred thousand dollars in eight years? That'd be pretty cool. But say where is it? You're sitting in it. And then all that happened at Union. Sometimes I get a little, Lord, $400,000 and all we got is a basement. And then I stop and realize, wait a minute, it's the Lord that provides. We'll just let Him provide and take care of things in His way. Amen? You see, that's what this next verse is here. It says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't think about the future. But what it means is you cannot let the future drive today. You've got to serve God with today. Uh, I'm not against David Ramsey uh, necessarily, but some of his uh, financial teachings are absolutely spot on. I mean, they're just right. Pay your bills. Get out of debt. Those are good things. But if you follow, at least I I read his book and listened to his seminar. We even went, and uh, I think it was Ted and Franz and I, and uh, he was there in person and listened. And I said, Boy, you know what? This sounds kind of familiar. See, if you follow out his philosophy completely, you do your real giving after you retire. You sacrifice, you scrimp, you pay for everything, you you put everything in store for the future, and then when you retire, you're going to have everything that you need to live, and you'll be able to give graciously and you'll reap the benefits of your rewards, and it'll be much, much more than if you just give today. And mathematically that may be true, but biblically that's never true. God wants you to give what you have today, not what you hope you'll have in the future. Because things can change an awful lot. How many people don't make it to retirement? We, we have no guarantees of this life. You know what we need to do? This is not talking about not planning and, and not thinking at all. But what this is talking about is my life is not driven. My, my giving to God, my heart for God is not something I'm going to do when I grow up. Praise God, I did that a long time ago. I want to serve the Lord today. This, this is what it means to be pure in heart. Fasting. It's important. It should be part of your relationship with God. Your treasure should be laid up in heaven. The light of your body should come from this book called the Bible. You must make a choice. You can only serve one master. It's either going to be God or it's going to be the world system. And when it comes to all the cares of this life, I will tell you, in all the journeys since I left my home in Maryland as a 17-year-old boy headed off to Bible College... It wasn't always there when I thought it should be. Sometimes God's time clock's a little different than ours. But I will tell you, I have never lacked anything I needed to serve God. Whether it was money for food, clothes to wear, when God provided with a wife, and our family, I, I believe one of the reasons he gave us so, much, so many children is just because we can look at the world and say, it doesn't work your way. You stop and add it up. Uh, it's supposed to be $250,000 from birth to leaving for college. Well, number eight is leaving for college. That means I've had $2 million in the last 18 years, right? (laughs) No. Nowhere even near that. But God's provided. When it came time to get this building, God provided. When it came time to uh, rebuild the Union Baptist Church, God provided. God will give you what you need to serve Him. But He's going to stretch you a little bit. But that's okay because He's the Master. I'm the servant. Amen? He's the one that gives us light to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. He is the one that holds the treasures of this universe, the true treasures. Blessed are the pure in heart. By the way, you never get to pure in heart until you've been meek, merciful. All of those other blessings, they grow. They're stepping stones, one on top of the other. Let's pray that God will allow us to live the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we ask that you would... Burn these truths home to us. You spend more time on the pureness of heart than any other subject because it's the one we fight the most against. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to determine once and again that we would allow you. We would let the work that you wish to do in our hearts to make us pure in heart. So that we may be your servants. So that we may enjoy your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, you can add some of your own there and let's spend a few minutes and then we'll get into our actual prayer time tonight.